Hello, listeners. This is the 1970. I am one of your hosts, Mark Damon, and joining me today is my co-host, Ed. And Ed, I do not have a charged laptop today, so we are doing this via my phone, which is why you are seeing a picture of me from three years ago when France won the World Cup. Happier times indeed for all involved. Um, how are you doing today? I'm rained out here in the in the Big Apple. Big, uh, big rainstorm. Been going all day. How is it in uh, in God country, as they say? <laughs> it's beautiful out here in uh, snowy Utah. Um, I should point out behind me, over my shoulder, you see that horrible Alabama Crimson Ooh. Tide logo. Uh, my beloved Tennessee Volunteers lost by 28 points, I believe it was. And so uh, James Teague, who you hear often on the PSG Talking Podcast, um, he's a big fan of, of Bama. So I lost that bet. So therefore, I'm living up to uh, my end of the bargain, and you get the logo there. So that's what that's well, all about. But other than that, everything's great. <laughs> you know what they say, roll damn tide. And it, James, it, it, those of you who may not listen to both shows or may not have caught this, James isn't just a fan of Alabama. His no. dad played at Alabama. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's a there's a legacy there. Um, He's not a bandwagon so, fan. I'll give him that. No, he is not. His dad played at um, his dad played at Bama. So, um, all right. Well, we're going to get into a bunch of stuff here. Um, we're going to I'm going to kind of go on a little bit of one of my Skip Bayless rants. Um, we'll try to keep it brief. Then we're going to talk a little bit about what we think is wrong here. We'll use the Marseille and the Leipzig games as um, as a good place to to kind of top that off. But I'll I will um, ask you, Ed, as just sort of a general question, and I, I want you to answer it. Should a manager who, in the 14 games he has coached this season, won 12 of them and gotten points in 13 of them, be fired? No, absolutely not. You look at just the results. I don't think you can fire Poch off off of that alone. The performances we're going to talk about, but just strictly results. He's first in in French league. He's top of the the table in Group A in the Champions League. You can't argue with that. You see, this is where I I and I've been thinking about this since we figured out we were going to do this show tonight. I wanted to figure out how to best say this because I feel like there's a real weird thing going on where I feel like people are, it, it, our fans, the PSG fans, are very disappointed in this club in a way that I feel is not justified by the reality of the situation. And you look at a, currently a club like Manchester United, who just lost 5-0 at home to Liverpool. They did not fire their manager. Everyone was should. saying they were going to fire Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, the, you know, fire him before, you know, the halftime was over. They didn't do that. And their fans are rightfully furious, I think. Justifiably so. They have some of the best talent in Europe right now. They went out and bought Ronaldo. And they're seventh in the Premier League and struggling in the Champions League. There is a reason that that club should be worried right now. I can't find the sort of similarity of why some of the fans of PSG and why some of the people who cover the club and some of the people who talk about the club for 
us or for any other outlet sort of feel like this is a team in crisis. There are problems like there are with most clubs that aren't sort of hitting their, you know, sort of in their good moments. Like you could say right now that, you know, Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Bayern, maybe those clubs are completely happy and have no complaints. But I think everyone else has issues right now at the moment. And quite frankly, at some point, those clubs I just mentioned are going to have issues. But this idea that, and, and I think this comes from a few places, but I think the main thing that's happening here is that PSG did a lot in the offseason and they ha- and they brought in some really high-priced, talented players to make this team into a Champions League, not just contender, but winner. And so far, the results, you know, just, you know, the results are fine, but the on-field play is underwhelming. And I think we can all sort of admit that. I think that's, I think we're all fair to say in an unbiased way that this team should be playing better based on the talent that it has. That's obvious. And somebody like Jorginho Wijnaldum, who isn't really, you know, he's sort of, he has a role on the team. He's sort of the first midfielder into the game off the bench, but he's not a starter. He's not dominating the way he does, you know, at the Netherlands. Sergio Ramos can't seem to get his calf healthy. That's a problem. But there's this idea, I think, that everyone expected PSG to just go into this season and dominate right out of the gate. And that has not happened. And people are disappointed at that. And I think they're looking for a reason and a quick fix to that problem. Whether you think it's a major problem or not, I think the people who feel it's a major problem really are looking for sort of this quick fix here. And I think they're looking for an easy person to blame. And I think Mauricio Pochettino is an easy person to blame. I think the manager is always the easy person to blame. Heck, always. I've done it before. Oh, yeah. It's a super. Tuchel it's out. a super easy. <laughs> it's a super. Yeah, it's a super easy thing to do, and to a certain degree, it is the cheap thing to do. And I'll admit, maybe I was a little premature on the Tuchel stuff, but I think I ended up getting it right. And I think at the end of the day, you know, I think everyone's sort of better off for the for what happened. But I, I think talking about that starts to get uh, old after a while. We're talking about Pochettino right now. And there are problems with this team. There are clear problems that they have to fix. The good news is they have a lot of time to do it. And they're going to be able to hopefully play their way through this. They're not in trouble right now in the Champions League group. I mean, they could be if they lose the next two, but I don't foresee that happening if they beat leipzig next week they should be they get to the 10 points they should be clear through by match day five it's really against city at city that's going to really determine who finishes first and yeah and and, we all know that doesn't really matter yeah it doesn't really matter at the end of the day it's it's for the talent psg has they shouldn't care whether they finish first or second um in the league there's really no team that's gonna you know jump up and maybe Nice are going to give them a challenge with the game in hand. But if Marseille can't, we'll talk about the game, but if Marseille can't 
get a three points off PSG when PSG go down to 10 men with 35 minutes left in the game, playing possibly their best football with Dimitri Payet maybe playing the best game he's played in five years. I'm not sure Marseille are ever going to be able to do it. So they're not going to probably be challenged all that much in the league. So the real thing is, yes, they're going to be able to play their way out of this. And either they're going to play their way out of this by the time February and March comes around, or they're not. And if they're not, there's going to be changes again. Like there seem to always be changes. But I think we're with where PSG are right now, it's really hard to jump that gun and just assume that this is going to get worse. It could, but it's really hard to say that unless the evidence really starts pointing to it. And it's just not because for whatever you want to say about, well, if PSG didn't get all those late goals, they may have drawn or lost those games. Yeah. But PSG have hit a bunch of posts. They have had a bunch of goals called off sides they seem to always be a fraction or two away from completing a pass to break a guy through for a goal. It's not like offensively they're that far off if you're watching the the game. I would like them to be more direct than they are, and we could talk about that. But there's talent. The talent's there. The the path, you know, they're they're making the right kind of moves. And League Gun is a difficult league to score. And I think Lionel Messi's learning that it's much harder to create base in a in a in a league on game than it is in a la liga game hasn't doesn't mean scored the game, yet hasn't scored yet in the french league yeah it doesn't mean that it's easier or harder it just means that it's different and you have to adapt and adjust and that you know that that's really how how that how that works in in the difference in leagues and i think we can start kind of digging in but i just wanted to make that point of just I think it's really disingenuous to start pushing the panic button right now. I don't think it's sincere because there's no way that this club is in real danger right now. If they were in danger like they were last year where they were in the 69th minute tied with Manchester United and if they draw that game or lose it, they're out. They're going to the Europa League if they do that. And it took a Marquinhos kind of deflection goal and Fred getting a red card at Old Trafford to get PSG across the line and to save that um, to save that season last year. So we have to keep things in perspective and understand that, you know, and, and I'll make this point too. No other sport in the world really works the way football does, where it's not it, – it's. It, it, I think our fan base is – and I'll get, I'll get in trouble for this, but I'll say it anyway. I think our fan base is starting to get that Barcelona um, idea in their head yeah. that it's not just about winning, it's how you win, which is – and I'll say this – bullshit. It's total bullshit. It's about winning and losing. You'd want to play well. But that's not the most important thing. The important thing is winning. That's what matters. That's how you make money in the sport. You make money by winning and winning trophies. You don't get an award for playing well. You don't get, you know, you you get you win hearts, but you don't win 
you know, you win hearts, but you don't make money. And, and that was the whole thing and, with Arsene Wenger's team at Arsenal when he was there. It's like, oh, they play this beautiful football, but they didn't win anything. And then ultimately people got tired of that. They were like, I'd rather play ugly, crappy football. We want trophies. And it's sort of, to your point, that's all that really matters, winning. That's the big yeah. thing. And there is a middle There is a middle ground between, you know, being Park the Bus Mourinho and um, Pep Guardiola. And, and I love this thing of, you know, why aren't PSG like Man City? Why can't they play like – because Pep Guardiola's had that team for five years now. They better be able to play that style pretty well. Pochettino's – think about that. Pep's been in that job for five years now. Pochettino so, yeah. hasn't even been in that job for ten months. <laughs> so to, to try to compare the two is not analogous. It's not the same thing. Ten ten months, and like, don't forget, he's like completely overhauled the team in the in, in the summer transfer window. Yeah, you know, it's, and it's not an excuse. And if PSG start losing, then Pochettino's not going to get enough time to to implement what he wants to do. But as long as he's winning, he can buy himself time. That's how managerial. You know, that's the life of a manager in a top team. You're really always buying yourself more time. You're always trying to prove yourself. There's never a grace period. You always have to prove it. And the more he wins, the more he buys time for the style to catch up to the victories, which is what you want to have eventually. And if that doesn't happen in February and March, I will be in the line with everyone else going, this guy's not the right guy. We only have two more years left of Messi. Let's get someone in here that can, you know, get the best out of him. Yeah. We're just not at that point yet. I'm sorry. We can complain about the style, and then we're going to do that next. But I just want to frame it in that context before we do. I think a lot of people who are wanting Pochettino out are likely people who wanted Tuchel in and never wanted him to leave and are they, they see themselves as like, look at Tuchel, went on and won the Champions League with Chelsea. We should have never gotten rid of him. So they sort of are coming at this as like, hey, I was right before. I'm right now. Get rid of Pochettino. You need someone else different that can do something better with this midfield. But as always with managers, if you're calling for someone to be sacked, you've got to have a replacement, a realistic replacement someone who's better that wants to be here and and as i always have said i've written several times this is the most difficult job in world football you have one competition that's all that matters that's all you'll be judged on and it is the most difficult competition and you need a lot of luck to win it and and that's basically what you're judged on like what manager wants that job and plus you have all of the the egos and the superstars and all that that you have to contend with so finding a manager out there that wants that it's going to be difficult you mentioned Really, all that matters is is winning. My other point that I want to say is one thing where one person who probably isn't liking the way things are the way things are going is probably Kylian Mbappe. You know, right now he's looking for wins and maybe a different style, one that maybe focuses on him a lot more. And he has shined at times, but I can't imagine he's liking this brand of football right now. Well, no, but they're trying to play. This is the same brand of football they played when he scored three goals at the camp. No. It's the same thing. It's true. What's the it's difference? True. And we'll talk about – there are three – for me, there are three major issues right now. I don't think Killian's an issue right now. I think he's doing – he's playing well enough. I don't think the best player. Yeah, I don't think he's an issue. What and are I your three things? Good, I think he's playing well. What, yeah. what, you know, he's getting, he's scoring most of the time. He's, you know, he's getting assists and goals, and he's doing – you know, he, I don't think he's – the issues – for me are 
the defensive setup, which is poor, the Marco Verratti situation, which has now gotten, I think, to a, I think we're, I think it's almost to the Javier Pastore level of glass figurine. I think I called him a glass figurine on Twitter, and that's harsh, but we'll talk about it. Yeah, we, we got to talk about that injury. That is ridiculous. And the third uh, issue seems to be Neymar, and it seems to be where Neymar fits, and if they, if Mauricio Pochettino can find a way to put Neymar in a good spot so that everyone else seems to be able to work around him. And I, I, I don't know how we want to tackle those issues. You want to talk about the Leipzig game when it comes to the defense? Do we want to talk about I'll let you sort of lead where you want it where yeah. you want to start. We're gonna really cover Leipzig and, and 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 the Marseille game here. I think there's a lot more talking points with Marseille. And so let's start there. And that game ended nil-nil. Um Akraf Hakimi ended up getting sent off in the second half, which I thought was a bit harsh. I thought he had caught mm. up. I don't know if that was a clear goal scoring opportunity, because I thought Hakimi got up there. But anyway, he was sent off. The game was nil-nil. Both sides scored. Both sides were offsides um, after VAR review. Um, I think I want to start with the fans. Absolutely horrendous display from the Marseille fans. Before, PSG fans weren't even allowed. And then you had Marseille fans throwing trash. Neymar had to take several corner kicks with police presence blocking them with shields from the trash. And it's just like... Come on, like at what point is the LFP going to do something? Back to college football. I was at the the Tennessee game uh, here in America, the college football game where they were throwing trash. You know what? They fined the school two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and they arrested like fifty people during the game. You had people being taken out in handcuffs. Why isn't that being applied here? You know who these people are. You have cameras everywhere. Get them out. You can't throw things at the gate. It slows it down. Yeah. And then you had Messi on a breakaway uh, getting ready to, to for a really good chance for PSG. And you had a fan run on the field and completely stop it. It's giving Marseille a competitive advantage when they shouldn't have one. And it's outrageous. Our friend Jonathan Johnson tweeted about it. I mean, it, it's something that has to be addressed and has to be stopped. It's ridiculous. I, at this point, I think even Marseille's ownership is getting tired yeah. of but look, in, uh, here's the thing with that. The di- there's a difference between sort of drunk American football fans and drunk Marseille I didn't throw fans. anything, by the way. I just want to put that on the record. I didn't throw anything. Well, good, yeah, good. Because they, they see your face. They know who you look. They know what you look like now. Um, but um, it's like, okay, those fans in Marseille will, will fight you. They will stab people. They are violent human beings. Not all of them. But the ultras that are there, they are they invaded Marseille's training ground last year. Yeah, like these are violent people. There's a reason so PSG I, fans I, were banned. There's a reason they weren't allowed to be in yeah, the stadium. It, it was not. It was not for the safety of the Marseille fans. Let me put it like that. It was for the PSG fans so that they did not get mugged or shot or stabbed. And I'm not exaggerating. I'm genuinely not exaggerating. If there were PSG fans at that ground, there was a likelihood of there would have been some sort of physical attack. That's just the way it is. And they tried to put up fencing. They tried to put up nets to stop the stuff, but you can only do so much. At the end of the day, I even think Marseille, as I said, Marseille's ownership, I think, complained about their own fans, if I read that right. Because it's like it's going to cost them points. Eventually, it's going to cost them a huge hefty fine. 
and closed stands at some point. And the problem is the LFP genuinely thinks that this is having these atmospheres is good for the game. And to a degree it is in the sense that you like the, you like the flares, the sure, atmosphere, yeah. the, but in the, at the end of the day, um, there's a genuine chance for violence in these games. Players sh uh, should not have to cower in the corner because fans are throwing projectiles at them. I mean, what else is there to say? This happens all the time at Marseille. And eventually, they're going to have to do something. Eventually, one of the players is going to get hit and hurt, and you know they're going to have to answer for this. Messi could have been stabbed. Too. He could have been assaulted. Who knows what that guy was going to do? <laughs> The LFP has been playing with this fire, and this happened it, at Nice at the beginning of the year. There's a game. The reason there's a, those two have a game in hand is because they had to call off the game they were playing because the fans assault were trying to assault Marseille players on the field. So that, was that at Marseille? That was at Marseille, right? No, it was at oh, it was, was at Nice. Nice, okay. The Nice fans attacked the Marseille players. Yeah, uh, so Dimitri Payet. I keep someday somebody is going to die. Whether it be a player, an official, a fan, security, someone is going to die, and the LFP is going to have a major reckoning, major lawsuits, major criminal charges, and at that point they will do. And I will tell you when they will do something. They will do, as I said, they will do something when someone is killed. That's it. They are going to try to walk this fine line as long as they can until someone gets killed then they will do something about it because that's the only way things get done in france is if there's some level of major catastrophe it's the same thing that happened in england where you had the hooliganism and then you had the hillsborough disaster and they finally woke up and said enough of this same thing that happened in paris with the ultras when the ultra when one of the ultras got killed yep. Yep. outside the ground they finally said enough with this we're banning all of them, and mm -hmm. eventually they brought them back Years later. in a much more neutered way than they were. So that's what's going to have to happen. There's going to have to be a major incident where someone dies, and then someone will deal with it. I'm sorry, but that's just how it is, that's unfortunately. Yeah, it's a shame. It, it shouldn't have to be like that. The other talking point in this one, um, Marco Verratti looked like someone g grazed his hip. And uh, in the beginning, it was uh, right before halftime, I believe it was. And he had the ice on it and they're spraying it down. I saw the replay several times. It looked like it didn't look like anything at all. Maybe a bruise. The medical update comes out today. This man's going to be out for four damn weeks, basically a month. He has a deep lesion in the oblique muscles on his left hip. A deep lesion. Is that, is that code for just a bad bruise? Yes. Well, what the hell for four weeks? You are a professional athlete. You know you know who has deep lesions on their hips? Probably every single NFL player, and they get out there and they play. Basketball player, like every other athlete with a bruise. Man, get out there. Four weeks? What are we doing here, Mark? What are we doing? That is ridiculous when I read that. I was like, are you kidding me? Did the guy, like, stab him or something in the hip? Like, it was nothing. It's a bruise. It, yeah. Look. He's one of the most talented midfielders in the world. And if, you know, if the world was different, if circumstances were different, he'd be up there with 
Iniesta and Xavi and he'd be in Pirlo. He'd be in that category. But the fact of the matter is he's a glass figurine. And part of the reason he's a glass figurine is that he doesn't take care of himself. He's not physically fit. He doesn't, he doesn't put the effort in in training. He doesn't do the necessary physical things that you have to do as a professional athlete to stay at the peak level of your physical condition. And you could somewhat say the same thing about Neymar, but I think Neymar to a much less degree because Neymar does the drinking part, but Verratti's smoking. Like, I don't know if he still smokes, but the dude was, the dude smoked for years and smoked parties, drinks, is rarely ever in peak physical condition. And it's amazing that the guy can go out there. I mean, you know, in, in, it's like an athlete in the fifties. Like that's what he's like. He's like Mickey Mantle. Like Mickey Mantle was a Yankee, you know, New York Yankee baseball player in the fifties and sixties. The guy would go out there. He was on two bad surgically repaired knees. He smoked he smoked and drank every night and he'd go out there and he hit two home runs and drive in five. That's what he'd do. And that's what Marco Verratti seems to be able to do. But here's what happens when you get older, it catches up with you. And it's catching up with him. He's already been hurt this year. He was out three weeks after international duty. Does anyone we remember that, right? That happened. I, I, I had completely forgotten that. <laughs> He's already been out for three weeks already with some injury that nobody knows what the heck it was. But it was an injury and he was out. And now he's out for four weeks because someone hit him on the hip. It's he got a bruise. It's a bruise on your hip. Play. Play it, the damn it, game. It's just, I, I don't know. And, and here's, it, it, look, if he's healthy, he should be playing. But you cannot build a midfield around him anymore. It's obvious. And I know that. Nasser loves Marco Verratti and Leonardo loves Marco Verratti and everyone loves Marco Verratti because when he's at his best, he's one of the best midfielders of his generation. The dude can't stay on the field. You can't build the most important part of your team, arguably your midfield around a player who can't stay on the field. You can't go months without having your best midfielder. It's just a liability at this point. And I think in January, you have to make a strong move to sign a midfielder because none of these guys seem to be ready to take that spot. I think you can have, you know, fill-ins and, you know, for certain stretches of time. But, you know, Paul Pogba hasn't signed a, a contract at Manchester United. Mm -hmm. I don't know how that train wreck's going to look. I don't know if he wants to sign up for more of that. Um could could would, you sign him? Pay. Could you pay? Get I mean, because United would lose them for nothing. Could PSG offer them? I don't know, thirty million or something. And I think it wouldn't hurt. Yeah, just I think, offer. You, I think you, I think you, you search for you search Europe and you say, look, we're going to need a midfielder. We're going to need somebody who can stay on the damn field. And let's get a midfielder in here to stay on the field. Hey, you can, you can let go of somebody like, um, you know, at that point, maybe you let, well, I guess Paredes is there to carry the bags. So. PSG you know, had a great like, depth at midfield between Herrera, Gay and Paredes and Wijnaldum. Great depth, really high quality depth, but not the starter. Verratti is that world-class starter, but between his injuries and his yellow card accumulations and suspensions, you can absolutely not count on him. I'd love to see Pogba, I'm a big fan. I think everyone is of Chuamini down in uh, at Monaco. 
Can you get him? I don't know. Every big club in Europe is going to be after him. He's going to have really his pick of any team he wants to go to. But he's young. Could you convince him to come and yeah, play with Messi? But, I mean, I think we have to do it. Now. I think you have to do it in January. I think you can't wait. You can't rely yeah. on him anymore. No. He's not reliable. And it's it's frustrating. But that was the same thing with Javier Pastore. We had this issue with a guy where Javier Pastore was – I wouldn't ever have called him one of the best players in the world because he wasn't. But he was a fantastic player for what PSG were at that point in the project. But by the time he got to 2015, 2016, the guy was just brittle. Couldn't stay on the field. And I don't care how good of a team you have. If you can't keep them on the field, then, you well, know, at least with like Sergio Ramos, you know, at some point he's going to come back, hopefully. <laughs> I and I think two that. years with, I think two years was worth, maybe not at this point, but I think for a two-year deal, it was worth the investment. It was worth taking a shot, and there's still time for him to pay off, even if it's not necessarily this year or next year. So I'm not panicking about that. It's frustrating, but it's not. Um, but it's but not see, the, with, with Ramos, the people put that in the context of, oh, you didn't want to pay Thiago Silva, and look how good he's doing in Chelsea, and now you brought in Ramos, and you're paying him a, a king's ransom, and he can't even get on the pitch. I think that's why people critical of that ramos decision you know yeah but that's hindsight yeah that's hindsight exactly because at some point with the silva thing you had to see if presnel Kimpembe was the guy you had to figure that out and i, I think we can safely say he is not yeah but you had to figure it out you know what i mean like he he could only be the third center back for so long before you moved him and you had to figure out if he if he was the guy you had to figure out if he could fill that spot. And they learned last year that eh, he kind of can't. So that's why they brought in Ramos. And hopefully Ramos is ready for January and February where he could be useful. And he'll have had six months off. And he'll be, his body, besides his calf, will be fresh. So, you know, maybe maybe it ends up working out pretty well. I don't know. But the variety thing is really troubling. And I think that Marseille game sort of showed, you know, why. And... I, I will say just on the Akimi thing, I think that was a I think that was the right call. I think he was out of position. I think he shoved him down. Um I think if that happened to Mbappe, I think we would have Well, it kinda did happen to Mbappe with uh William Saliba's tackle. I don't think That's, he got the ball. I think he affected Mbappe. Here's the problem with that. I think they needed I don't I think they needed to check that and they didn't. I don't know if it would have changed anything, but I think they should have at least stopped the game mm -hmm. and looked at it for a second. But it's just me. Um, I would say, though, um, with the Marseille game, I thought Marseille are a good team. I, I think Marseille are a legitimately yeah. good team. I don't think they're. I don't think they should be challenging PSG. I don't think they will. But they they should be top three or top four. Absolutely. They're good I, enough. I think they've got some players that you may see. You know, Ganduzi was in the Premier League at Arsenal. Kamara, I think you're going to see him. There was some talk over the summer that he may end up going. Um, Saliba again at Arsenal. Um, you've got some players that are Premier League quality uh, in there. Uh, De La Fuente, uh, American, playing on the U.S. national team. So some good young talent in there. Um, but yeah, he should have. Well, and I actually yeah. think they're better since get. I think they're better after getting rid of Tovan because I think Tovan was very one-dimensional, and I think building your attack around Florian Tovan was not very smart. And they finally have a striker in Milik who can, you know, put the ball in the back of the net when he needs to. He did in the game, and it was ruled off sides. But you know, if Payet's going to start playing like that, if 
Um, you know, their, their midfield was very good. I thought their two center backs, Saletasar and, and, and Saliba, were outstanding. And, you know, I, I look, you want to beat Marseille, but that was not an awful result barring the the, the circumstances. And I'll say, to be even-handed, I think them playing that front four is fucking stupid. I think it is dumb. I think I don't care what Di Maria thinks. He's got a year on his contract. I don't care. Ride the pine. You don't need, you don't need to soothe his ego. You don't need to, to say, hey, Di Maria's here too. He's involved. No. Put the three of them out there. And if Di Maria will, and Di Maria's job is to come in when one of those guys needs a break and pick up the slack. That's what he's there to do. He's not equal to those three guys. He is not on their level. So to put him out there and sort of mess everything up and sort of have that overemphasis on attack while you're leaving Verratti and Danilo in the center and you're playing a back four where your front two also want to go and get attack. Look, again, I get it from the point of Pochettino's trying to soothe egos here. And I get it. He's trying to keep Di Maria involved. He likes Di Maria. He's trying. He's a fellow Argentinian. He's trying to keep him involved. But this is about business. This is not personal business. Those four should never play. With, they should never play in a front four because it just it's too much offense. It's those four plus the fullbacks plus Verratti. You're defending with three guys. It doesn't make sense. It's I not balanced. I'd almost prefer if you're going to do four attackers, put a Cardi as a striker with maybe Neymar and Mbappe on the wings and Messi as the playmaker right in that number nine uh, or, you know, the 10 position right behind them. And, and maybe if you're going to go with a four attackers, go that way instead of all of these winger type players and Mbappe being the striker. That doesn't it's not working, as you're saying. I don't have no, many times I need should, to see it. They should rotate. I don't need Lionel Messi to play every game in in. Uh, league on. I don't need Neymar to play every game in league on. And you have to, in as uh, Pochettino as a man manager has to go to those five and say, look, we play better with the three. Honestly, they play sometimes better with just two of them. But you know you can't get away with that. So you're gonna play three of them. That we play better with the three of three people. Marwa Cardi will come off the bench when we need him, and Di Maria will come off the bench when we need him. And that's how this is going to work. In every major Champions League match, it's going to be Neymar, Mbappe, and Messi. Just deal with that. That's what we're going to do. And then in League One, we're going to mix and match. And that's what we're going to do. This playing all four of them to try to please everybody is not going to work. And then when Marco Verratti comes off at the end of the first half and Pochettino brings on Idrissa Gay. With ten seconds to go in the half, terrible decision. Burn, I don't. You have to be able to play with ten at that point. I'm sorry. You have to know that situation and know there's no reason to bring him on at that point. And then you, you know, because you can't anticipate that you're going to get the 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 red. But at that point, then bring him on at the beginning of the the next half, and that that doesn't even count. I think there's a rule in that sense. Where you could bring on Andres again, it doesn't count towards your three, your three, your three sub rule. I don't know how that works necessarily, but there's there is a reason why that that was super dumb. And you know, eventually, 
when you you know when you got the red, you could it would have given you a little more flexibility. But that was just it was not smart to do it that way. He could have waited. There's no reason to pull that trigger. And then you know by the time you get the red card, it's pretty much there's not much the manager could do at that point. So I actually thought they kind of did okay after that. And I think after they went down to 10, I think they were a little smarter in how they played. It didn't look like they only had 10 men. I think they played a little bit better. By the end of that game, I thought PSG were probably getting the better of the chances. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the first half was not terrible either. It wasn't a badly played game. Like, they were an inch offside from a goal, and then that goal that they gave up, and we'll talk about this sort of as we go into Leipzig here, um, that goal that they gave up that was called offside is the same goal that they give up every game, yeah. maybe multiple times a game. And we'll talk about why that is in a minute. But, you yeah. know, for, for all that is, and for, uh, you know, having Benoit Bastion out there who is just god-awful. He's a god-awful official. I'm sorry. Just, and he wasn't even as terrible in this game, but there are games where he's just been, you know, it, it makes you want Chirpon. That's how bad Boston oh, that's really bold. is. The officiating is really piss poor, and it's across every league. And you would think VAR would make it better, and it, it's not. Sometimes it's used, sometimes it's not. Like we were talking about with the Mbappe and Saliba tackle. Um, but let, we talked about the four attackers. But against uh, Leipzig in the Champions League, PSG won three two in that game. They did not have four attackers, so they had uh, Mbappe and Messi out there. Draxler had to fill in. Neymar unavailable. Uh, midfield of Variety, Idrissa Gay, Ander Herrera, and then back four of Mendez, Kimpembe, Marquinhos, and Hakimi. Keeler Navas got the start, and I do want to start with that. What do you think about Navas coming in and playing this game? Because he had been injured uh, during the international break. Donnarumma really hasn't done anything to deserve to be sat down, and he came. Donnarumma came in for a couple games, and now he's been MIA. So well, talk we, to me about that. About We've talked about this. It's yeah. they're 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 playing politics until it becomes clear that Donnarumma is going to be the starter. It's ridiculous. That's what's happening. They're playing, they're playing politics here. It's it's what it is. But and I think Donnarumma understands that. I think they were all very clear about that going into this. So I don't think that's as big an issue as, as people might think. Well, but is is that why PSG are not playing well? Is too much politics? Oh, we got to throw Di Maria out there because uh whatever. Yeah, oh, we, Novice is a, a favorite in the locker room, so we got to play him. You know, one one person's politics is another person's man management. So you, there is a certain level of politics you have to play. Zidane did it at Real Madrid, and it worked out just fine for all of them. You know, he was playing, you know, at some point you have to subjugate egos for the betterment of the team. But I don't think we're at that point yet. I think we're at a point where they're experimenting with things. And I don't even think Pochettino really knows particularly what he wants. And I think there's certain situations where he feels like he has to play the four of them. And I think, you know, there's times where you're going to take that bullet. And there's times, again, in Champions League where I hope they don't do it. I'll be very upset next week if they're going to try to play those four against Leipzig. And I'll be very vocal about my objection to playing, you know, games with those four. But, you know, again, it is – it's some of it is just necessary to how you have to deal with these things. So. You can't sort of um, take politics completely out of it because every top team sort of deals with that. But, you know, until Poch really, you know, if he ever gets his grip on the team, then I think you'll start seeing that stuff go away. But, you know, 
right now it's what it is. But I, I, I don't think that's PSG's biggest concern. Like, I don't think the, the concern is the politics. I think the concern is that their defense stinks. Oh, it's atrocious. But again, it's always the, – it's both of the goals. They And again, they start off well. They get an early goal. And it looks like they're going to run away with the game. And then the other team sort of catches their breath. And this is what happened against Bruga. Same thing. PSG jump out to an early lead. You think they're going to, you know, and then they just start to bog down a little bit. Like what happens, you know, it happens to teams that score early. They sometimes tend to bog down a little. And then they give up again, the version of the same goal. Every team is playing PSG the exact same way. You win the ball in midfield. You pressure in midfield. They're not winning the ball high. PSG's getting into the midfield. They're getting into the middle of the pitch. They're getting pressured. They're losing the ball. Then they'll get it to a midfielder, two, three passes, get it to somebody. They play a ball to the wing, usually to the left wing. And that left winger, in this case, who is Angelino, who's a really good left, left fullback, they play it to the wing. They play it to the fullback. And then that fullback puts a cross into the back post, and there's a runner at the back post. And that runner one-times it in. That's literally the goal. They scored it twice against PSG. Once by um, their – their um, uh, Andre by Silva. A, once by their striker and once by a, a runner from the midfield that, that mm-hmm. was able to put it in. But it's the, it's the version of the same goal every time. Because what's happening is when PSG play with that back four, your fullbacks are so high and they're playing so aggressively and you want them to play aggressively. That's why you got them. That's the point of having Hakimi and Nuno Mendes. But with that comes the trade-off, which is when they lose the ball, that that ball gets played out wide, usually to the left wing. And Kimpembe is just either Kimpembe. It's one of two things happens. A Kimpembe gets lost and he ball watches and the guy slips behind him. Or the more generous way you can say it for Kimpembe is the midfielders don't pick up the run, which is what's also happening here too. Because on that second goal, Idrissa Gay has got to pick that guy up. He can't just pass him off because if he doesn't pick him up, then Kimpembe has to see him from behind and get more depth. Same thing happened, I think, was the goal against um, – I'm trying to remember when this goal – I think it was in uh, – I can't remember the game, but it was Colin Dagba who just – it was this time it was to the right side, and it was across to the back post on the left. And Dagba just – not even sure if it was Dagba or Mendez. It was one of the two just sort of get sucked in and they leave the back post and it's the same play over and over and over. They get into transition, they get spread out. So what is really, you know, long story short, what they're going to have to do is go to a back three eventually. That's exactly just what's going to happen. Yep. They're going to have to because they that's the only way that they're going to take away that back post cross effectively it's the only way because Kimpembe by himself can't cover that he can't he can't position himself well enough 
to take those two things away. So he either has to a take away the mid, take away the striker in the center, or he has to take away the back post, and he's doing neither. So you have to bring another center back in to play that to play that back post because apparently Presnell can't do it, and that's the thing. He's a great center back when he's playing uphill, when he's attacking, when he's when he's stepping into the play, when he's moving forward and being aggressive. He's terrible playing side to side when he has to sort of position himself. So they have to figure that out. And you know what? Honestly, Tilo Kerr has probably been better than him this year. Abdul Diallo certainly has been better. So I think you I think you play Kerr a couple times in center. Not in a big game, but play him in some of these other games and just see what happens. See if it helps. Uh, maybe it will, maybe it won't. But let's let's try it at this point, because Lord knows. It's either that or you have to go to a back three, and that's um, that's creates its own problems. But three four three might not be the worst way to go. The other problem, as I'm starting to lose some battery on the phone now, uh-oh, uh-oh. Um, I think we'll be okay because we're almost we're almost yeah. through here. But um, the other issue is Neymar. And look, I- I'm reading. You know, anytime I write about Neymar not playing well, it's like, oh, you turned on Neymar. Oh, what happened to you? You know, you don't like Neymar. You're a Neymar hater. I'm like, dude, have you read anything I've written or said in the past five years? Like, I have been possibly Neymar's biggest defender on this channel, on this yeah, on this platform. For sure. I think I am. I have to be his biggest defender on this platform in all the things he's ever done. And he's done a lot of stupid stuff that I've defended, maybe not necessarily wisely. But right now, he's just doesn't fit with what they're trying to do. And you see what he's doing with Brazil. He's still good. He can still score. But... For some reason, ever since the game against Atalanta, where he missed that first attempt, it just feels like he just can't score from open play anymore. Yeah, he's missing so like, many he's, chances. He's not a goal, not a goal threat. Mm-mm. And that's a problem. It limits what he can do. And it makes him less versatile. So, like, against Marseille, they tried. he wasn't available for the Leipzig game. But against Marseille, they tried to play him on the wing. Oh, they tried to play him at the 10. And it's like, no. <laughs> Messi's the 10. I don't care that he's wearing 30. Messi's still the, the 10. 10. Yes. Messi's the 10. So the idea that Neymar and Messi are going to trade off being 10s is just, I don't think it's going to work, especially if now Di Maria is on the field. This is what I'm saying. You have two guys who are trying to play 10, and then you have Di Maria on the field who wants to come <laughs> in from the right to the left, and then you have Mbappe who wants to come in from the left to the right, and you just, everyone runs into each other. It's a big collision. So at some point, and this is going to come down to to managing, and we're going to figure out if Pochettino can do this, because again, he's bought himself time to do it. Can he figure out a way to make all of this work? And I think the best way to do it because teams can play with false nines, it's not unheard of, is to play Messi in the middle and then have Neymar and Mbappe switch off from left to right. That's the best way to do it. Messi has to stay in the center, yeah. and then if Mbappe wants to play on the right at one point, Neymar can they can they can figure that out. But with, and with, with a back three? So a false nine and a back three? Yeah. 
Yeah. 3-4-3. But, you know, it seems like what's about to happen here and what's going to need to be said is Neymar is going to have to make the sacrifice. He's going to have to play out of position and Messi and Mbappe are going to be the focal points of the offense, which is what happened. You know, that's when they played Leipzig in the second half and and Mbappe and Messi were the focal points of the offense. It worked. And they got opportunity after opportunity out of that. So that's what's going to have to be. And Neymar is going to have to fight at least for the next eight months until Mbappe leaves. They're going to have to find Neymar is going to have to find his way in that in that setup. And he's going to maybe have to go to the other side. Maybe he's going to have to do what Di Maria is doing, even though he's not left footed at times. Maybe he'll have to play on the right. Maybe he'll have to play on the left a little bit. Mbappe goes to the right, switch it up a little bit. But this idea that Neymar is going to play 10 is just no. Messi's the 10. It's just obvious. Yeah. Like you don't want to put Messi on the wing. Like that doesn't work. And it's like, like what if, if you ever played on the wing? And, and if you can figure this out, I mean, think about the players that we're actually talking about. Messi. How many years has he been playing football? I have to imagine he's going to Pochettino and saying, hey, look, this isn't working. We need to move me here. Neymar can switch over here. Like, It has to be a discussion, and I think Pochettino can learn just as much from those players, giving him feedback on what's working and what's not working, where they prefer to play, and, and like just figure it out. The talent is there. The, it's almost yeah. put together. Just figure it out. It, and like you said, we have time. We've got plenty of time. PSG are not in I, danger I, of not qualifying for anything. They're going to be just fine. Yeah, look, and I, I think that this is why I, and I think playing with the three of them and not the four of them works better because then 100%. you can be a little more – you can be more fluid in your in, – and you can play false nine and guys can pop up in different spots and you can develop that chemistry over time, but you can't play the four of them. It's just – just you can't because now – because when you play the four of them, you have to play four, two, three, one. And in that case, you can't really do false nines out of that. There's no way you could play a false nine in a two in a four, two, three, one. So you gotta play false nine. And if you're gonna play false nine, it's gotta be a front three. So there's that. And I think Neymar will play his way out of it. I think he's he's going through some stuff right now. And I think having Messi there will help relieve some of the pressure. And I think Neymar has to take that not as a demotion, but as sort of a way to sort of relieve some pressure and stress and give himself an opportunity here to, to help the team in different ways. And I think he can step up to that. I think if the champions league is in sight, he can, he can sacrifice. I don't think that's against Neymar's nature. I don't think he's a selfish player. I think he knows, you know, if he, you know, if, He's playing with Messi. He understands the the score here, which is why I think when we get to quarterfinals and 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 round of sixteen and semifinals, yeah, I feel like some of these problems aren't going to be problems because I think those guys are going to. I think that there's just years of experience, and I think they just know sort of. It doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win, but I think you're going to see them figure it out. And I think you're going to see them. I think you're going to see them start to sacrifice more once they're comfortable knowing the the things that they can do well for each other. But right now, we are absolutely experiencing growing pains with this club. And I think 
not having it be the juggernaut that everyone thought it is, it was going to be is frustrating. I get it. I understand they're not as good as you thought they'd be right now. But as long as PSG are in a situation where they're not in any danger of losing any competitions in November, you have to let it play out. And that's scary at times because you want to always feel like this thing is in control and you want to feel like there's a move you can make to fix the problem. And that if only you were in charge and if only you knew better and you know better than everybody and you know better than Leonardo and if only you knew better, if only you were in charge, then, you know, if only I were in charge, they would be, you know, they'd, they'd win every game for nothing. I get that. I get that idea. It's not foreign to me. You know, I, I feel that way about the, about the giants all the time, it, you know, in, 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 the, in the NFL, I'm like, you know, if I, if I can see this crap, how come they can't, they're been paid millions of dollars to coach the team and I'm seeing all the deficiencies, but at the end of the day, the process has to play out. They have to get to the end of the year. You see where they are and you make the judgment from there. You know, thinking that, you, that, you know, that this is just going to get, I think thinking that this is going to get worse and worse is sort of, uh, I think it's sort of disingenuous. I think it's, they're going to get better. How much better they're going to get, I don't know, but they're clearly going to get better. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if you have more to add, but I, I think like just, I, I think I would end on that. They're going to get better. How much better? I don't know, but they're going to get better. Yeah, I think just everyone, PSG fans out there listening, just keep in mind we talk about how leaky and shaky the defense is. You know, PSG kept Manchester City, the great Manchester City and Pep Guardiola to zero goals scored. At Marseille, down a man in front of that crowd, still kept them scoreless. And so, yes, the... Performances are not exactly what we wanted it to be, but anyone who was realistic would have expected this, that there would be some growing pains. Yes, Messi is amazing, but it getting him into a system that's completely different. And think about it, he's learning a new league, new teammates, whole new stadium, atmosphere. Everything is new for Messi right now. We are at the very beginning of the season. Be patient. No one's getting sacked right now. PSG looking ahead. Got a great test on Friday against Lille. Uh, they have a lot of talented players, some really good attackers, uh, Jonathan David. Um, so that's going to be a, a tough test for the defense. Then you have Leipzig. You win that game. You pretty much all but guaranteed yourself into the knockout stage. Bordeaux, you know, a decent league on team. Probably will cause us some troubles. It's on the road. So that's always going to be difficult. And then I think we hit the international break again. So three really good Tough games coming up for PSG. Let's see where we are after these three games. Let's see if Pochettino can t- turn things around. Well, also, and it's hard to say turn it around when they've won the game. When exactly. They, when they're winning all the What are they turning around? They, they Just can the performance. Can we get a little bit okay, more positive? But at, but also, I, I do want to look at this. Um, I want to look at the, the just the numbers here. So really quick before I, I my battery dies. So they're on 28 points in league on. They've scored 24 goals, which is the most in the league. They've given up 10, which is the third least in the league. So not only are they scoring goals, they're not conceding a whole lot. Um, 
Nice have seven conceded, Bren have nine, PSG have ten. Best goal differential and they have in the league. The best, and they have the best goal differential in in Liga, and they have a goal differential of 14. So let's compare that to La Liga's standings. Um, What's Barcelona, by the Real way? Madrid, I haven't looked up Real those Madrid clowns in a while. Scored, Real Madrid have scored 24. Um... So Real Madrid's in second place in that league. They've scored 24 goals. Barcelona's in um, ninth place. That's hilarious. Barcelona scored 15 goals. Um, let's look at uh, the Premier League is going to be different because Liverpool are going to are going to be um, way up there. So okay, so Chelsea have scored 23 goals. Liverpool have scored 27. Man City have scored 20. Now, for the record, they've played two less matches, but still, it's not, they're not blowing away PSG's total here. Like, people will point to know, the competition level and all of that. It's not exactly apples to apples, but do but you, you no, know, it's not like you're so off the pace. Right. Like, PSG are at this point, um, they're at 24. So that's after 11 games, which is about a fourth of the way through the year so they're on pace to score about 80 to 90 goals this year so they're not totally you know let's you know let's let's pump the brakes even statistically let's not overly panic if you know if if, what i mean the the worst performance i would say of the season was probably that ren match on the road you lose 2-0 um PSG always lose to them. I don't know why. It just happens. So that's probably your worst performance. But, you know, when Tuchel was sacked, there were several – there were losses and draws that shouldn't have been happening. I can accept they a lost, draw to Marseille, but you lose to Lorient. I'm sorry. They lost four of their last seven matches under Tuchel. Yeah, and, and he is they the reason PSG lost the league matches. last season. Yeah, they lost four of their last seven matches with Tuchel. So just yeah, you know, put it in perspective. But anywho, um, I think that's all for me. I, I'm okay. almost dead here on battery. So um, well, we we are at an hour. Um, so yeah, let we can cut it short. Um, Mark, let everyone know how they can find you on Twitter once you get your phone charged and you're back on Twitter. They can find me at Mark Damon Nine. Fantastic. And I am as always at PSG Talk. Check me out over there. Join our Discord. Read the site. Record traffic this month. Crazy traffic on the site. So check out PSGTalk.com and subscribe to the podcast. We'll have more coming from the 1970 here as also um, our PSG Talking podcast. So until next time, we'll catch you then. Bye, everyone. Au revoir for now.